Jacoby Cochran, and this is CityCast Chicago. Today is Monday, March 22nd, 2021, and every day we break down America's coolest and most complicated city with the people writing its story. Now, Chicago has some of the most visited museums in the country of art, science, world history, and they're phenomenal. But if you really want to understand the city as a city of neighborhoods, you got to check out what we call house museums. These organizations started in their homes. I work with 42 cultural heritage organizations around the city that represent 30 different cultures, over 30 different of the 77 neighborhoods across the city. Now these could be under threat because of a new proposal by a Chicago alderman on the south side who wants these cultural spaces to be more regulated. We hear from a critic calling on the alderman to stop. But first, a little bit of news, y'all. After a year, Cook County jury trials resumed today, but a lot of questions remain to be answered, y'all. One, how is the city gonna handle its 28,000 backlog cases? Two, are jurors even gonna show up? I mean, we still in a pandemic. Cook County State's Attorney Kim Fox says she is telling her office to prioritize plea deals and prosecuting violent crimes, which I'm gonna be real with you. How is that any different than her platform before the pandemic? We're going to be following this story closely over the next couple of weeks. Yesterday, we got the matchup we were looking for when the fight in the line I squared off against the Ramblers. Uh, but we got a conclusion nobody outside of Rogers Park predicted when Loyola knocked off the number one seed and the top player in the country. Whew, they're back at it again on Saturday, and we'll see if Sister Jean's prayers and the Rambler defense can hold up. Now for the broken hearts of my fighting Illini fans, some good news. You can eat your feelings all week long because Chicago Restaurant Week is back. Now, while some Southside restaurants claim to feel a little overlooked, one that is represented, Virtue. I stopped in this weekend and Chef Eric Williams' mac and cheese is to die for y'all. Reach out at CityCast Chicago on Twitter and tell me what restaurants are you stopping in this week and what dishes are you Instagramming. Stick around. The head of the Chicago Cultural Alliance explained why he's unhappy about a new ordinance that could change house museums in the city moving forward. We'll be back, y'all. To really understand the diversity of Chicago, you have to go to the neighborhoods. Tourist attractions alone aren't going to cut it. Uh, but you already know that. And if you want to go even deeper into the ethnic, racial, and cultural origins of the city, you can visit all these cultural centers and little museums nestled within these neighborhoods. Uh, these are small, so small, many start in people's houses. A new ordinance up for a vote tomorrow in a Chicago City Council committee could change the rules for where these places can be, and even if they can be. The owners of these places would have to get special zoning permissions, which critics say will be too expensive and time-consuming. Peter Vega, 
leads the Chicago Cultural Alliance, a coalition of more than 40 of these neighborhood museums and centers who are against the ordinance as it is written now. As of present day, how are these neighborhood museums started? Absolutely. Where do they begin? Incredible stories. I, I started working with the Chicago Cultural Alliance about three years ago. I've learned so many incredible stories about neighborhoods all over the city. And the way that many of these organizations begin are in their homes. And these are where the ideas generate about these types of organizations are in people's homes when they get together and share food and music and art. This ordinance potentially has the ability to stop that from happening. So help me walk me through this ordinance. It was started by Sophia King from the Fourth Ward, you know, covers parts of Bronzeville and North Kenwood. What is this ordinance going to do? I've been exploring this for the past three weeks, and I've only been able to get to the heart of it in the last, on Friday, actually, when I sat in on a three and a half hour Zoom meeting, listening to the residents of Alderman uh, King's ward and hearing directly from residents. And in that meeting, from what I understand from Alderman uh, King is that the proposed ordinance was intended to trigger a community process around a historic home that potentially could be opened in the fourth ward. So the home we're talking about, which is the former home of Emma Till and Mamie Till Mobley, you know, the house is now a landmark status after a long process. It's not like this project came out of nowhere and there was no community support. I believe there was huge amounts of community support to even make this uh, home a landmark to begin with. So why or is it necessary for additional ordinances to be passed? As I understand, the residents of the city who have an issue with this from the ward are few. On the zoning call that I was on talking about this with the aldermen, there were four. And the groups that wanted this stopped, there were over 20 people. And if the alderman is trying to engage community, if that's what the alderman is truly trying to say, I'm not really sure how a zoning ordinance is truly going to do that. That's, that's the particular issue I'm here that I want to address. What were the concerns of the residents that were on the call? You know, did they feel left out of the conversations? Absolutely, yeah. I mean, the, the, the four residents that I spoke to uh, absolutely felt left out of the conversation. They are either neighbors in, of the home in question and want to be involved more in the conversation. And I absolutely agree with that. I even have a conversation at 10 a.m. to talk to one of the residents about this exactly because I want to know what's, what's affecting her and what she has to say about this because I was more curious about her voice in the meeting, which I heard very little of. A 
Around the corner, we talk more about who could be affected by the ordinance. Don't go anywhere. When I don't feel like cooking in the morning, my go-to restaurant is Five Loaves Eatery. Located on the southeast side off of 75th and King Drive, Five Loaves Eatery has the best baked salmon, shrimp, and grits in the city. And I'm telling you, add a side of lemon zest pancakes, maybe even get the honey hot, hot wings if you're feeling good. I mean, you don't have to eat it all at the same time. You can save it for later, but trust me, this local establishment is not something you want to sleep on. Visit FiveLoavesEatery.com. And next time you stop by, tell them City Cash Chicago sent you. When we think beyond the historical sites, because often the headlines pick up, you know, Lou and Georgia Palmer or A. Philip Randolph or the Phyllis Wheatley Club at home, for a lot of folks, being able to put on DIY art galleries, being able to uh, provide communal spaces within neighborhoods is extremely important beyond, you know, just creating museums. Can you speak a little bit more to that? What are some of the other type of organizations, local efforts that will be impacted by this ordinance? According to the Alderman, there are four small historical societies across the city that would be impacted by this. Other individuals who are a part of this conversation, who have shared a lot of information with me, who have spent a lot more time on this than I have, have put together a list of over a hundred potential organizations across the city that this could impact. When you said this on the call, what was what was our response? I didn't have a chance to 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 say this on the call with Alderman King. Why did you? Was there not a enough time given? Did you not feel comfortable in that space? You know, why didn't you? Jacoby, it was three hours, <laughs> three and a half <laughs> hours. There was a lot. Of time. <laughs> it was a Zoom meeting and I the mute button was the mute button was used liberally in the meeting. It's hard when moments like this happen because I can feel it in your voice. I can I can see it on your face, you know. Um, and if we were in studio, I, I'm almost certain um, that it'd be, you know, all through your posture. I can tell how important um this topic is to you. I can tell how important this is for the city. You know, what do you think is going to come of this tomorrow and Wednesday? Jacoby, the vote is supposed to happen on Tuesday, and this is going to block all communication from community being able to give even any insight on this. And that's scary because it will just stop the conversation that I feel just started. That is, it's a beautiful conversation around multiculturalism, community, the city at large in Chicago. We invited Alderman Sophia King to join us, the Alderman pushing the ordinance but our office didn't make her available. However, they did send a statement along which we're gonna break down. 
It says some of her constituents raised numerous concerns regarding current proposals to convert existing homes into museums after learning that there are no procedural safeguards in place for current residents to weigh in. And King added they are not trying to stop, inhibit, or deter cultural exhibits in museums, but she does say museums can file for nonprofit status and take their homes off the tax rolls, but others in the neighborhood could still be affected by traffic or parking changes. With the official vote coming tomorrow, we are sure to update you Wednesday morning via our newsletter. Don't miss out and sign up at citycast.fm Chicago. Before I let you go, before I let you go. Loyola fans, you get another weekend to celebrate because the Ramblers are moving to the Sweet 16, baby, baby. March Madness, like everything now, looks different. Fewer fans, arenas closed off, but the press is still in the building. I called Abby Schnabel yesterday moments after the Ramblers' victory before she left Indianapolis. The Loyola senior is a sports editor for the Phoenix, the student paper. I actually haven't left yet. I'm still sitting in the parking garage finishing my story. Oh, man. Going into the game today, did you think y'all had a shot? No. Um, I'm going to be completely honest with you. I was expecting to not um, have another weekend of playing. I thought I really didn't see the Ramblers being able to, like, defend Kofi and Io, And, I mean, they absolutely proved me wrong, which, you know, awesome for them. Yeah, I did not expect them to keep them within 50 points. I know the Ramblers notorious for keeping teams around 50, 55 points a game, but I didn't expect that one, to be honest. Absolutely. I think the biggest thing is that, like, Io, he averages 20 points a game, and he didn't even hit double digits tonight. So, you know, you're reporting at March Madness during a panorama. You know, how was it different? Well, during a panini, you don't get, um, I had to do it. You said panorama. I had to say the panini joke because that's what I call it to my friends. The fans, you have to give them credit because they made it feel like we weren't in a pandemic. Like I was on the Illini section um, of the arena. That's just where media was. And like fans around me, oh my gosh, they were so loud. And I don't expect anything else for from Illinois fans. Like, genuinely the, these past two games this weekend have I felt like normal I felt like I was just like a reporter covering March Madness that's it for City Cash Chicago I'll talk to you again on Wednesday now I know what you're thinking no your feed is not broken we are not daily just yet but soon I'll talk to you on Wednesday peace